0: While researchers in labs across the country work on genetic engineering of stem cells or pharmaceutical innovation from molecule-based drugs from chemicals, patients and their doctors should not forget about plants. In one high-profile example, a common plant may unlock a treatment for deadly malaria. You're listening to Reach MD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japsen, the healthcare reporter with the Chicago Tribune, and joining me today is Dr. Richard Sayre. Dr. Sayre is the director of the Enterprise Renacar Institute for Renewable Fuels at the Donald Danforth Plant Science Center in St. Louis. Sayre is a prominent scientist in the field of renewable fuels, and he leads a team of 10 researchers who focus on using algae to produce third-generation biofuels that someday could be used to power cars, trucks, and aircraft. The work complements the larger body of biofuels research currently underway at the Danforth Center. And he joins us today from his offices in St. Louis, Missouri. Dr. Richard Sayer, welcome to Reach MD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Well, so if you could first tell us a little bit about the Danforth Center and this innovative medical research on plants, in particular algae.
1: Well, the Danforth Center is about 10 years old. It's a nonprofit organization based in St. Louis. And the mission of the Danforth Center is to use the tools of plant biotechnology to improve the lives of people around the world to produce renewable and green sources of energy for the future and to help develop the economy in the St. Louis area.
0: Tell us about this research on plants. You know, you hear so much about ethanol and, you know, the fuel aspects, which I know you're into, but the healthcare applications that you're working on, you don't hear a lot of people talking about that in the healthcare debate.
1: No, but very importantly, of course, many of the pharmaceutical drugs that we use to treat diseases of various types were originally isolated from plants, and it's been estimated that maybe 30% of the current pharmaceuticals in use have a plant-based origin, although they now may be synthesized in factories. Originally, they were isolated from plants. Now, our research focusing on the control of malaria actually addresses the problem from the very beginning. How do we control the spread of the insects that actually transmit the disease? And so we're taking advantage of some of the tools that we've developed to genetically engineer algae to control the growth and development of the mosquito larvae that transmit malaria.
0: And so, in effect, this would be changing how the algae grows to mitigate the transmission, which is, is it almost always through mosquito?
1: Yes. Well, by and large, probably 99% is transmitted by mosquitoes. The objective is to engineer the microalgae to express a small molecule that will be toxic. To the larval stage of the mosquito and the larvae of the mosquito that transmit malaria live in ponds. Of course, we're all familiar with this problem even in the Midwest. They feed on microalgae as they grow and develop. And so we've designed a toxic molecule that is selective only for those mosquitoes that transmit malaria and will effectively, we hope, this has to be tested yet, eradicate those specific mosquitoes that transmit malaria.
0: Well, the interesting thing, too, is is that science sort of did a job of not eradicating malaria, but limiting its spread back in the day when the use of insecticides like DDT effectively eliminated malaria, but we later found that DDT, you know, killed off the bald eagles in the country around the world. And so it was prohibited. So this is a really exciting development because, as you say, it's the greening of something that, you know, was potentially dangerous years ago.
1: Yeah, definitely. Clearly, the advantage of this strategy, again, is is that it's very, very targeted and selective. The way that it works is is that we've identified a gene that's unique to mosquitoes. This gene is required for the normal development of the larvae so they become adults. Furthermore, we've identified a region within this specific gene that is unique to only those mosquitoes that transmit malaria. And so we've targeted that specific region of that gene for inactivation. And so the molecule that's in the algae hopefully will transfer across the uh, mosquito larvae and kill those cells selectively that express this gene. And by doing so, then the uh, larvae will never reach adulthood. I might add that one advantage, of course, of this strategy is, is that because the mosquitoes are killed in the larval stage, they'll never reach a stage at which they can transmit the disease.
0: Where in the clinical trial stage or where in the I'm more used to the pharmaceutical innovations. Where are we at in this research?
1: That's a great question. Uh, The research is funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and it's through a new program called Grand Challenges Explorations. This is a program that funds really innovative, cutting-edge strategies that are sort of outside the norm. These are projects that would generally not get funded by traditional funding agencies because they're so high risk. And you guys got what, $100,000? So the first year is $100,000, and then if uh, we show good progress, then it moves on to higher levels of funding. But just as background on the research that we've completed to date, we've demonstrated that the algae that we're actually going to be genetically engineering can serve as a food stock for these larvae, that the mosquito larvae that transmit malaria will grow on these algae. We also know from the literature that the delivery of these toxic molecules from plants animals has been shown to be effective. This is new technology that's been used to control parasites that attack the roots of plants. And so plants have been genetically engineered to express these toxic molecules. They get across this barrier between the plant and the animal, and they selectively inactivate those parasites that eat the roots of the plants.
0: Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter with the Chicago Tribune, and joining me today is Dr. Richard Sayre. Dr. Sayre is the director of the Enterprise Renicar Institute for Renewable Fuels at the Donald Danforth Plant Science Center in St. Louis. And we're talking about this innovative approach, the greening, if you will, of Potential medical treatments, the Danforth Center is working on research that will focus on using algae as a tool to control malaria. Do you see other applications for this? And if you could walk us through potentially some of those. And and even if you could disclose some of the other things that you're working on down there relative to medical care.
1: The algae that we work with are actually fed upon by a number of different organisms during different stages in their lives. One application that we've been considering is actually the control of invasive species. For example, the zebra mussels that invade the Great Lakes, Lake Erie, etc., So we could potentially deliver molecules to these uh, zebra mussels through the algae upon which they feed to control those zebra mussels in the environment. So it's, in a sense, any application where the algae are, are used as a feed material is a potential way to deliver molecules to those organisms that feed upon the algae. And so that could be uh, shrimp. Perhaps we could deliver molecules to the shrimp to provide protection against various diseases that they may encounter. It could be to fish larvae and fish farms to control diseases also in the early stages of the growth of fish. And in fact, we already have patents in this area using microalgae as an oral vaccine technology to immunize fish and also farm animals. It's a very effective way of immunizing animals. It's inexpensive, and our cost estimates are on the order of about a tenth of a cent to vaccinate an animal.
0: And that's really exciting, too, because when you think of a lot of viruses, diseases, and so forth, they are starting in the animal and fish population, and let's face it, they're starting with you know eating plants that are highly filled with chemicals and pesticides and things that the agriculture industry is definitely trying to move to more biotech and biofuels that you're working on. So there's definitely some related activities
1: here. Yes, very much. Again, using the algae as a vaccine delivery system also has the advantage that it is an oral immunization so that we induce an immune response in the epithelial tissues of the organism. And many, many diseases, of course, initially colonize epithelial tissues of the mouth and the gut and so on. And so we can selectively uh, express antibodies in those tissues to reduce the transmission of various diseases.
0: I know that you guys are very active in this arena. Do you have competitors out there? Are there other universities and schools that are working in these areas? And also, are there any ways that perhaps any of our physician listeners can help or be a part of this? Or potentially treatments that they may see anytime soon?
1: Well, there's certainly other groups that are developing plant-based vaccines for example, there's a group at Arizona State University that's been very active in promoting bananas as a oral vaccine delivery system. I'm not sure at what stage they are in the development, if it's gone into trials at this date or not. It's a lot easier, of course, uh, in terms of the regulatory approaches to start with uh, animal vaccines than it is with human vaccines. If this technology for uh, controlling the expression of genes and mosquitoes that transmit malaria turns out to be effective, there will be, of course, a great need to support the development of these programs and to disseminate these algae that control the malarial mosquitoes in regions where malaria is a problem.
0: Well, since you're talking about you know modifying plants and things like that, would you have to go through an FDA regulatory process? Or what kind of regulatory process would you go to? Because I'm a guy who covers the business side of healthcare and very familiar with the FDA process. And you start thinking, oh,
1: goodness, if they go through that, it could take a
0: decade (laughs) before we see something like this.
1: Yeah, and you've raised an important point. Fortunately, if it's a plant-based strategy and this plant is not consumed by humans, so in the case of the malaria mosquito control, this would be applicable, the only regulatory framework that is anticipated is approval through the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the Environmental Protection Agency. But surprisingly at this time, there are no regulations on the books for the control of transgenic microalgae. Now, that's likely to change very soon, and and I suspect the rules are being drawn up at the current time, and that will be driven by the technologies applied to the production of biofuels throughout the country. So, at the current time, there is no regulation for microalgae, but we anticipate in the next year that USDA and EPA will have regulatory control, but FDA in this situation for mosquito control would not be engaged.
0: And I suppose the good news is, is that with our political figures very interested in the whole greening aspect at large, that if it looks like you have a successful product, you might get on some kind of a fast track.
1: Oh yeah, I think definitely. Certainly millions of people would benefit from this throughout the world. So hopefully that would be the case.
0: Well, with that, I would like to thank Dr. Richard Sayre, who's been our guest. He's the director of the Enterprise Renicar Institute for Renewable Fuels at the Donald Danforth Plant Science Center in St. Louis. And they just received an exciting grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for their research using algae as a tool to control malaria. And I'd like to thank him for being our guest today. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune. I've been your host, and you've been listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on the air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. And I'd like to thank you today for listening.